Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to Boston this weekend, heading back to Beantown for the first time in nearly two years. And what would a UFC Boston fight card look like without Joe Lozon on it? And not only is he on Friday's fight card, but he is also on today's show talking about preparing for that fight. We're also talking to Sean Woodson, who prepares for his fight with Kyle Bochniak. Not only are we talking with those two fighters who will be fighting this upcoming Friday, but we are also running our three fights, one parlay, one dog segment, where we break down our three most interesting fights on this card, as well as give you a parlay that you might think about playing if you're gambling on this weekend's card, and also an underdog to think about throwing some money down on as well. But before we get to any of that great content, we got to remind you that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short action drama film about the beauty and the violence of the sport that we love so much, MMA. The premise of the film is that a young fighter on the up and up faces an opponent being trained by his estranged father. And as an MMA fan, I not only love the story, but I love the fact that this film is being put together by people who actually know MMA. You know, we've always wanted more MMA in film, and now not only are we getting it, but we're getting an authentic look at it, because both the director and the star of the show are both training and big fans of MMA. So we're going to see real MMA on the screen, and I couldn't be more excited about it. And if you're excited about it, you should check out their Indiegogo campaign and help support them. You can go to Indiegogo.com and you can search for a story about a fight. You could also check out our pinned tweet on our Twitter or check them out at a Twitter at a story of fight. A story about a fight from Rumination Films brings you this episode, Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Joe Lozon, who fights Jonathan Pierce at UFC in Boston on Friday, October 18th. So, Joe, it's going to be 16 months between fights for you. How was that layoff, and, and what has it mostly all been about? Uh, layoff was good. You know, it, you know, I, I've been in the UFC for so long now. It's kind of, it, it's a little bit easy to kind of get in a little bit of a rut and just keep doing the same things over and over all the time and not changing a whole lot. Uh, you know, so we took some time, we, we kind of, you know, took a step back, reevaluated everything we were doing. Um, you know, and sometimes you make changes, it takes a little bit of time. You can't just expect to make a change and have it, you know, have immediate results. So, um, took some time, reevaluated everything, made some changes, moved some things around and, uh, would, you know, we geared up and ready to go. Now, now, obviously, you're being a little vague on purpose here because you don't want to give away too, too much. But is there anything in particular that you can share with us that is something that you felt like you needed to go back to the drawing board on? Uh, you know, for, for you know, my, my last fight, I was really unhappy with just how it went in general. You know, like I felt like, you know, the, I, I try to stick to the game plan. You know, I, I try to be pretty good about game planning and, and figuring things out and having a good plan and things we're going to do. Um, you know, and I felt like, you know, I didn't do a great job. You know, I, I tried to, but I didn't do a very good job, you know, so I had to kind of, you know, take a little bit of a step back. Uh, we focused on, you know, more, a lot more strength conditioning stuff. Uh, we focused on a lot more, um, you know, striking things. And, and you know, we, we really tried to change up, you know, quite a bit of things. You know, it's, it's tough to say just like one or two things. You know, we, we did a lot, but, um, but you know, we're hoping, hoping it's going to have, you know, good, good results and good impact. Absolutely. Now, I know you, you know, you, it's lows on MMA. You know, your name's on the gym. How much of that game planning do you do yourself, and how much do you rely on other people for it? 
you know, I, I definitely do a good amount of it. You know, not 100% myself. It's always like a team effort. I'm kind of, I'm generally the captain kind of steering the ship. But, uh, you know, I, I have absolute faith and absolute trust in my coaches. You know, and sometimes, you know, I think one thing and they think something else. You know, and, and sometimes you do it my way, sometimes you do it their way. You know, so, um, you know, I, I, I told them that, you know, what they wanted to do, you know, I was on board with, you know, I was, you know, I wanted to, you know, put the best foot forward and I want everyone to be happy with what we're doing and, and making all decisions. And, uh, you know, so it's definitely, it's my name on the, on the building, but, you know, we, you know, I, I really is like a team effort. It's not just me. Gotcha. So, and you mentioned, you know, working on things, making sure you, you're changing, you're growing, your game planning is better, all that kind of stuff. You know, you've been in at this for 15 years. You know, you've been in the UFC for over a decade at this point in time. How much harder is it now to change things and grow than it was back then? Or do you find it easier? Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's parts that are easier, there's parts that are harder. You know, it's obviously, it's, it's tough to build, uh, to break down old habits, right? You know, it's, when there's something new, you know, it's usually it's a little bit easier to add in something new. You're like when you're, but when you've already done it a certain way for so long, it's a little bit tougher sometimes to kind of, you know, change that part of it. So, um, you know, it's, there's, there's hard parts and easy parts. You know, like, um, you know, I try to, you know, I try to get stubborn about things in general. Like I try to, you know, always, uh, you know, try to get a little bit better, try to always be a little bit better today than I was yesterday. Um, so that part helps, you know, like, I, and I've been like that forever. So it wasn't, it wasn't super hard, you know, but there's definitely some things that have been, you know, come a little bit harder than others. Now I want to talk to you about the fight itself too, because uh, obviously it's a big fight for you because you're getting a fight in Massachusetts again. You're getting a fight in Boston again. It's been six years since you fought in Boston. How important was it to get another fight in there, especially to get off this losing streak that you're on? Uh, it's it's it, it, fighting in Boston is it's good and it's bad. You know, like it's it's nice because you know it's obviously fighting in front of so many friends and family and fighting at home and, and all that kind of stuff like that. That part of it's nice. You know, but there's a lot of other parts of it that are kind of pain in the butt too. You know, like, um, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more like local media and stuff. There's a lot more pressure because of all that stuff. You know, there's so many more people asking about tickets and this and that and t-shirts and everything else. You know, there's definitely, there's, there's, there's pros and cons to everything we do. And of course, you know, fighting at home definitely has, you know, some, some nice advantages, but there's a couple of things that are kind of annoying and a pain in the butt too. So, um, you know, it, it's good. You know, overall, I'm happy. You know, I'm, it, it, it's nice to kind of, you know, get to do it again. It has been a long time. Um, you know, I, I my first fight uh, in Boston, I fought Gabe Ruger, I actually smashed him. And then my second fight, I fought Michael Johnson, and I got smashed. So now it's kind of put up or shut up. You know, like I can't, I can't lose fights at home. I got, I got to win this one. So. <laughs> Absolutely. A little, a little, a little extra pressure, but it's good. And, and you got a whole bunch of guys on your team who are also fighting on the card. You know, the, there's a, at least two or three names down there that you can look for earlier in the night as well. Do you give those guys kind of advice about fighting at home, knowing that you've done it a couple of times, and you've done it tons of times even before the UFC, but a couple of times in the UFC as well? Um, you know, I, I always try to you know help out my guys as much as I can. Like I, I try to you know I, I I have a lot of experience, you know, so I try to always um, you know not not be pushy about stuff, but let people know just you know how things have worked out for me. You know, people always ask me like, oh, when you've done this, have you done that? Like I've, I've generally done pretty much everything people are gonna do. You know, I fought, you know, all over the place. Like, you know, Mike Rodriguez is going to fight in South Korea. You know, I fought in Japan. So I kind of, you know, I I learned from that a little bit. You know, like, there's there's always things that we try to do, you know, but I try to never be pushy. You know, like, I, you know, what, what works for me is not necessarily going to be the same way for them. So, um, you know, so, but but I, I definitely try to, you know, take a little bit of a, a coach's role, you know, with all those guys. But they're really, I mean, they're my teammates as much as anything. You know, we, we get everyone together at my spot on, on Saturday mornings. But really, it's just, you know, it's everyone coming together just, you know, for good spot rounds, just getting, you know, helping each other out. It's, 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 a, good, it's a good environment. 
Is it surreal to look at this, like, you know, huge gym full of guys who you have now in Bellator, the UFC, you know, Professional Fighters League, all, all over the place, you've got fighters. When really, when you came up in the UFC, there wasn't very many people around the area. You know, there was you and Kenny Florian, and it pretty much, you know, there wasn't many other Massachusetts guys in there. Is it surreal to see how many are there, and particularly how many are in your gym? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, like, it, it never... It's so different than it was in the beginning, like you said. Like, it's, you know, before it was basically Kenny, and then I came up, and there were a couple other guys, but, like, it's such a, a, a different experience now. And, you know, we have, you know, on any given Saturday morning, there might be eight UFC guys in my gym, and they're, you know, they're, they're it's not like they're just visiting for once in a while. It's like they're there all the time, you know? So it's it's such a different uh, environment, such a different experience, you know? Um, but it's good, you know? It's, it's good, you know? Like, it's, you know, as, you know, we have all a lot more guys in the UFC now, but everyone else has a lot more guys in the UFC now too. The, the roster is so much bigger than it used to be. So, um, you know, so we, we, we try to, you know, put our best foot forward and we try to, you know, make sure everyone's getting good work. It gets a little bit harder. It used to be like, oh, if you're fighting the UFC, you know, you definitely get the cage. You get priority now. It's like, oh, we got seven guys that all fights in the UFC coming up. Like, who's going to get the cage? It's like it's a little a little bit more time management involved, but it's it's good. And let's talk about putting that best foot forward here too because you've got to fight against Jonathan Pierce who is kind of a, a young kid, he's an up-and-comer, but he is crazy tough, and in a lot of ways, kind of like, you know, you got the, the young guy fighting the veteran, much like you fought, you know, a whole bunch of veterans like Jens Pulver early in your career. What do you sort of think about this matchup with, you know, a young kid making his UFC debut against you? I know exactly where he's coming from. I know exactly how he's feeling right now. I know all, all the pressure that's, you know, on him right now. Like, I, I no one understands this better than me, um, you know, and, you know, when, when I was in his shoes, you know, I, 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 it was my night. That was the way it worked out. You know, like, you know, so I'm training super hard to make sure that that doesn't happen to me. Like, I really don't want this to happen. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I, I understand exactly where he's coming from. I understand exactly what he's, you know, what, how he's got this built up in his head. I understand exactly the kind of pressure he's feeling. I understand the upside for him. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there, you know, and, and I, I fully appreciate exactly what he's going through. And I know that you you could appreciate what he's going through, but I got to ask too. You know, you're now 15 years into your career. It probably feels a lot different preparing for a fight than you did back then. Do you miss sort of that that high pressure, high, uh, you know, what could come from the fight being so high stakes? Do you miss kind of that feeling about fighting in the cage? Um, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's always really high stakes. You know, like it, it's not like this fight is any different than any other fight. Like every, every fight is super high stakes. Like it's. Uh, you know, it's it's a great feeling though. Like it's it's awesome. It's great. You know, like um, to me, it's like the great part is like after the fight is like the release. You know, it's like you know you build up this, um, you know, you have this this fight you're getting ready for for months, you know, so long, and you know, and then it all comes down to one night. And and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You know, but it's like it's great to have that like release kind of you know, you get all that weight off your shoulders. You know, it's it's nice. Um, you know, so to me that's kind of the bigger thing. I mean, there's there's always you know, how's this fight going to go? How's that going to go? You know, but it's just the, the, that, that feeling of relief is always there and it's always good. All right. Now, before I let you go, I did want to ask one question because, you know, you've had this sort of historic UFC career filled with bonuses, filled with amazing fights. You've got amazing fights outside of the UFC with guys like Jorge Masvidal and Mike Brown. Is there a fight you look back on your career at as like the one fight you would tell people to watch? Um, no, not really. It's like trying to pick your favorite kid. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I've had a lot of like really good memorable fights that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, there's been, you know, different moments in different fights that I thought were awesome. You know, like, you know, like, um, I bring up like, uh, when I fought Kurt Warburton, 
you know, like that was the fight that, you know, like I, I dropped him with a punch and then he was trying to throw up off his side. You know, I, I hit him with like a super hard knee to the body. Like there's just like, there's every single fight, like, you know, even if it's, you know, kind of like a smaller thing, there's something that sticks out to me, you know? So in, in, in every fight, there's something like that, you know, fights that win, fights that lose. Um, there's always something that's good or something that's bad, you know? So um, it, it's tough to just go and pick out one, you know? And I, I think that's a good problem. I think it's a good thing that, you know, I have a, a tough time picking out just one thing. You know, I think I've had a lot of really uh, fun, memorable fights. So I, I think it's good. And, and just out of curiosity, too, because, you know, it is a long list of fights in there, too. How, how much of them do you remember? If we went down a list of, of fights with you, would you remember, you know, every single bit of every single fight? You know, you seem like a pretty cerebral guy when it comes to that stuff. Uh, I remember most of them. Like, when I fought Michael Johnson, the last time boss, I don't remember a whole lot of that fight. Like, I remember bits and pieces of it, but, like, I got I got beat up pretty bad that fight. Uh, but most of the fights, I remember, you know, quite a bit of it. You know, very specific details about a lot of different things. All right. But there's a few. There's a few here and there, a little, a little shaky. <laughs> well, we'll hope that this one this weekend doesn't involve any shaky moments. Once again, this is Joe Lozano, who fights Jonathan Pierce at UFC in Boston on Friday, October 18th. Joe, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Sean Woodson, who fights Kyle Bochniak at UFC in Boston on Friday, October 18th. So, Sean, let's start by talking about that Contender Series win over Terrence McKinney. Obviously, that's something that you can't pass up on even five days' notice. But it was reported that you cut 25 pounds in those five days. How drastic were the steps for you to make that cut? Oh, man, that that was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life because, you know, leading up to, you know, 20, 24 pounds isn't a lot when you're water loading and, you know, you're playing on it ahead of time. But, you know, I was I hadn't been water loading at all. And, yeah, I got the call. And so right away I pretty much had to go strict keto, which I've never done before. And, you know, on top of, on top of strict keto, no carbs, I was running five miles a day and, you know, doing the sauna work and all that. And, yeah, man, it was the hardest thing I ever done in my life. I don't ever want to do that again. And how did it affect you in the cage, too? Because obviously I know, you know, you had a little bit of a tougher first round. A lot of people think McKinney won that first round. Do you think that that played a big hand in it? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to make excuses, but I honestly do, man, because, you know, making that drastic of a cut in, in such short notice, I knew that my cardio took a big hit from that. So in those grappling exchanges in the first round where he got me to the ground and got my back, I, I, I'm sure I – I could have used a lot more energy and put a lot more effort into trying to get back to my feet faster, but I was just worried about my gas and my cardio. I didn't want to, you know, put everything into getting back to my feet. And then when I got back there to be gassed out. So when we got to the ground, I was just pretty content with just using minimal energy to defend the choke and yeah, just staying there. I knew I was losing around, but I was just concerned with my energy for when the time was right to explode and, you know, just be smart with my energy. And the time eventually was right to explode. You know, you hit the flying knee knockout, which is a pretty wild way to get the contract. Now, I got to ask you, with, with uh, obviously your energy being zapped and you making sure you're conserving energy, did that make you more likely to throw a big, you know, sort of risky shot like that that could wind you up, you know, like on your back again? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I knew that guy was going to just keep trying to get the fight to the ground and keep trying to, you know, out-grapple me and it was going to be a grapple-heavy uh, fight. So, yeah, I... After probably, I can't remember exactly which time, the third or fourth time he got me to the ground. You know, I, I said to myself in my head, I said, every time I get back to my feet from now on, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to really, really approach him and try and, and try and 
finish the fight, you know, throwing flying knees. I was going to, you know, spinning kicks, everything. I was going to give it all I had in those portions where I was standing on my feet because, you know, I've been I've been working on my stand-up shit since I could stand up, man. And mm-hmm. I, can, I, can, I can box all day long, no matter how tired I am, but the grapplings were really, you know, would zap me, and especially with my cardio being, you know, knocked down some. So, yeah, I, I just knew on the stand-up portion that I was going to give it all I got to finish that fight. Well, and you certainly did. And now, you know, looking back at all this, it, it's happened really quick. You know, you took the fight on five days' notice. You get the big knockout. You get the contract almost immediately after that. Uh, now here you are. You're fighting three months later. Uh, how, has this all set in yet to you? Like, do you, do you realize how crazy this is that it's happened in this amount of time? Oh, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I've been expecting this. But, you know, I don't really – I haven't really, like, you know, took the time to, to sit down and, like, really, you know, think about it because, I, I, you know, I'm – I feel like I'm just going with the flow, you know. I don't want to sit down and, you know, think about it and, you know, let it, you know, like overwhelm me or nothing like this. This is what I was born to do. This is what I was meant to do. I love it. And, yeah, I'm just going with the flow, man. Awesome. Now, part of going with that flow is your training for this upcoming fight. And I wanted to ask you some questions because we saw you doing some workouts on Instagram with, with James Krause for this fight. Is that part of a camp change or are you just getting extra work at other places? Oh, yeah, that's definitely – I'm just getting in work at other places. You know, I – I, they're great guys out there, you know, other, the other UFC guys here in Missouri. And, you know, he reached out to me when he saw me at the PI and invited me down there. And, uh, you know, like that, I'm sure you heard Dana White say I need to work on my grappling. And those guys are great grapplers out there, you know, black belts. And Grant Dawson is amazing on the ground. So, yeah, I went out there and I spent about three weeks out there straight and tightened up my ground game. And I feel like that helped me a tremendous amount. Now, I got to ask, too, you're fighting Kyle Bocciniak, who who is a guy who has a pretty good ground game, you know, working with the the guys up in Massachusetts, but, you know, is also a guy who's gone in there and banged a lot. You know, his fight with Zabit Magomed Sharapov is seen as, you know, sort of this, like, wonderful stand-up brawl that we saw. Do you expect him to try to grapple you up, or is this more about sharing yourself up for the future? Uh, Yeah, he's, I've seen in his fight that he likes to brawl, but... I got a pre- I'm pretty sure he's going to come to grapple, just like all my opponents. All my opponents, no matter what they say, they they come to grapple, man. And that's that's what I'm expecting in this fight. That's what I'm prepared for. And, but I mean, I'd be more than thrilled if he, we could have one of those fights like him and the beat had, man, standing up on the feet, banging. He's an exciting fighter. Like that's that's these are the matchups that I wanted. As exciting guys. The moment I heard his name and got offered this matchup, I was thrilled because I'm you know I'm like this guy is exciting, but yeah, I definitely think he's coming to grapple, but I'll be ready. All right. Now, I also wanted to ask you, because you take this fight against the Boston boy in Boston, right? Like Kyle Bochniak from the area. Yeah. You're, you know, stepping into enemy territory, so to speak, here. What What are sort of your thoughts on, on stepping into hostile grounds? I, I love it, man. I love it. Uh, it. It really doesn't make no difference to me. You know, at the end of the day, it's still just a fight. You know, those, those fans can't, you know, help them out. They can't get in there with them. At the end of the day, it's just going to be me and him in there, and yeah, I'm, I'm can't be more excited about it. Yeah, that certainly does sound exciting. Now, what, one more question before I do let you go. You know, last time out, you know, you had to cut 24 pounds in five days. You weren't water loading. How's the weight look this time? Is it coming off much easier? Oh yeah, man, this weight cut has been smooth, man. I've I've been able to cut it gradually and you know not in a rush, and my energy levels will be there. I'll be ready to to go the distance with them if need be, and uh, yeah, this has been one of the smoothest weight cuts I've actually had yet. 
All right, and then one last question here, because, you know, I know sometimes fighters don't like to give a prediction, but what are fans going to see from you that they didn't see from you on the Contender Series that they should be excited about? Oh, man, just a, a, a full skill set, you know, be, you know, be letting it all out there, you know, not, not worried about my cardio or not worried about, you know, gassing out or anything like that. Just, yeah, just a, a full skill set, man. That's pretty much it. Yeah, just I'm, that 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 fight on contender series. It was just that wake up weighed heavy on my on my mental. And this fight, I don't have that. So this should they should be they should be ready for an exciting fight. All right. Well, we're certainly ready for an excited fight. Once again, this is Sean Woodson who fights Kyle Bochniak at UFC in Boston this upcoming Friday, October eighteenth. Sean, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. And those interviews with Joe Lozon and Sean Woodson are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app that helps track your martial arts progress. It started as an app just for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu enthusiasts, but now has evolved to help all martial arts. Whether you box, do sambo, judo, taekwondo, it doesn't matter what martial arts you do. You just set up your profile on the app, and you can get the app anywhere apps are downloaded. You set up your profile, you set up your belt level and your home gym, and from there you can log your training sessions. And not only does it let you log your training sessions, you can make notes, you can see how much you're training week to week, month to month, so that you're making the progress that you definitely want to make in whatever it is you're training. Plus you can log competitions, weigh-ins, other things like that, talk to your friends. This app is so fully encompassing, you're going to want to check it out, Maroon Social. Now, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, have you ever seen a more cerebral fighter than Joe Lozon? I have just a tremendous amount of respect for Joe Lozon, what he's accomplished in MMA. Uh, and whenever you know I hear him in, inter- in an interview, I'm always uh, just impressed with how intelligent he comes off. Uh, he's kind of like one of those fighters we just don't deserve to have. Yeah, I agree 100%. The the time that struck me of all time when thinking about him being like a super smart fighter is if you ever watched him do the breakdown when Husmal Paharis was in all kinds of trouble for holding on to submissions too long, he did like a really good analysis of like exactly how much longer it is by like percentage points of how much longer he's holding on to submissions than the average fighter. It was like really interesting, really smart, really thought-provoking. So I guess it's kind of like no surprise that that Joe Lozon is the type of guy who's like, you know, pretty much tearing apart his game again and ripping it uh, things out, putting him back in. And, you know, hopefully it pays off because, you know, there'd be nothing cooler than getting to see a hometown victory for Joe Lozon again. Wait, so I'm interested in this. Was he saying that Husamar held on too long or it wasn't as long as people made it out to be oh actually so if you've never seen this because uh, apparently you have never seen it but for all the people listening if you've never seen this look up joe lozon talking about who small paharis uh and how long he holds on to submissions because he was responding to people who said it wasn't that long like he, he let go in like two seconds and then he showed like the difference between when he lets go of a submission and when Husamar lets go of a submission and it was something like a hundred percent extra time in the submission for uh after the tap or something like that so like he, he was showing that what Husamar was doing was actually egregious and people who were trying to excuse it were crazy 
Okay, interesting. Uh, well, there is a good recommendation for people to go watch. And do I have some good recommendations for people in this upcoming segment, Three Fights, A Dog, and a Parlay. We are going to break down three fights. We're going to give you a parlay, and we're going to give you a dog for UFC Boston. But Gumby, one might wonder, does anyone bring the fans said segment this week? That's right. Three fights, one parlay, and one dog is brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Go to rampagecoffee.com. Make sure to use promo code TURTLE20 for 20% off all your coffee purchases. It is the perfect coffee to get your ass up off the couch and into the gym because their C4 brand of coffee has four times the caffeine of a normal cup of coffee. So try that and try their regular medium or dark roast as well at rampagecoffee.com. All right, so we're going to start with the three fights section of Three Fights, a Dog, and a Parlay uh, with Dominic Reyes versus Chris Weidman. And I think it can't be said enough how much Dominic Reyes has sort of sneaked up on the collective UFC fan uh, consciousness. He is undefeated as a pro, 11-0, and and in the UFC, he is 5-0. and He's coming off a split decision win over Vulcan Ozdemir, wins over Ovin St. Preux, knocked out Jared Cannonier, win over Jeremy Kimball and Joaquin Christensen. He is fighting the former champion, Chris Weidman, who's coming off a knockout loss to Jacare Souza back in November of 2018 uh, at MSG. He's had a couple of really devastating losses at MSG. Beat Kelvin Gastelum before that in the summer of 2017. Lost to Gegard. Lost to Yoel Romero. That was one of the aforementioned devastating MSG losses. And of course, lost his title to Luke Romero before that. So Weidman is one and four in his last five. He's had a plethora of injuries to deal with. If you want to gamble on this fight, Dominic Reyes is the minus 150 favorite, and I have no argument there. And I say that as a huge Weidman fan who's betting off as a plus 135 dog. What do you say? Uh, I'm going with Dominic Reyes on this one. You know, I, I love Chris Weidman, but when you look back at Dominic Reyes' career, look, he's, he's defending 85% of takedowns. And, and at this point in time, when you think about, you know, Chris Weidman and exactly what his biggest weakness is, it's that, you know, like, that one fight that he won, he was stunned on the feet by Calvin Gastelum. He was beat up pretty bad on the feet by Calvin Gastelum, and he got him down and was able to work his wrestling. He's fighting a guy with a wrestling background here who defends 85% of his takedowns and lands over five shots per minute, which to me just is the worst kind of stylistic matchup for Chris Weidman that exists, so much so that I actually think the odds are skewed in this way in in favor of Chris Weidman. I think the odds are too close at negative 155 to plus 135 because Chris Weidman's got the title on his hands and, and everybody's saying, oh, you know, we, we don't know what he's going to be like moving up to light heavyweight. Look, we, we didn't know what Luke Rockhold was going to look like going up to light heavyweight either, and he got absolutely flatlined by a tough competitor that was a bad matchup for him. And I think Chris Weidman is probably about to see the same thing. I think you're right on it. You know, I get the sense just from the injuries and it's sad to see, you know, short of being a heavyweight where you could be competitive a little later on in life, it just feels like Weidman is past that peak performance prime of his career. The UFC can be a little bit like horse racing in that regard, where you're really only a thoroughbred for a couple of years. And Weidman now, off the top of your head, Gumby, how old do you think Weidman is? Ah, man, that's interesting. I'm going to say 34. 
Yeah, I'm going to say, I was going to say about 33. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if we come back here and say 35, but I think 33. Having the intern look it up, i.e. Wikipedia, he's 35, actually. So there you go. He was born in 1984. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) as a middleweight, moving up to light heavyweight, uh, I think his better days are behind him, sadly. Do do you want to hear something? 35 in the U.S. Do you want to yeah. hear something crazy? Dominic Reyes will be 30 in December. That's sort of surprising to me. Why? Because you would think he's younger? Yeah, I, I kind of thought he was like this young, up-and-coming prospect, which I guess at like light heavyweight, that is a youngish, up-and-coming prospect. But I didn't expect him to be like, you know, to be 30 already. That seems a little bit on the older side. Yeah, I know what you say about that, because I do think of him as a prospect. You're right. And I guess the kind of the same kind of goes for Anthony Smith, too, right? Because yeah. he ain't a young chicken, and he sort of burst onto the scene. Yeah, Volkan Ozdemir's 30. You know, he's like, would you have th- thought Dominic Reyes and Volkan Ozdemir are the same age? No, definitely not. And yeah, so I'm looking at it. Reyes entered the UFC three years ago at age 27, um, and with the performance of the night in his first fight. But yeah, you're right. These guys are not... They're not at that prime 24 to 26-ish age, uh, you know, I would say, where you really want to be. Um, all right, we'll move on to the next fight. This is a rematch, LOL, from just a few weeks ago. Jeremy Stevens got poked in the eye in Mexico when he was supposed to fight Yair Rodriguez in about 20 seconds into the fight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they're both minus 115 on gambling. A lot of trash talk between the two of them. Yair feels like Jeremy Stevens should have been able to fight Jeremy Stevens, uh, who has always had a reputation as a tough guy, basically said, and and I I tend to believe him, he just could not see out of the eye. I do not believe that he was trying to find a cheap win or anything else like that. Jeremy Stevens, as far as I'm concerned, is as cliched as it is to say, a warrior. Nonetheless, they're going to hook it up here again in a few, in just a few days, just a few weeks removed from that debacle of a main event. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to say basically the same thing as I said last time we broke this fight down. Is I just think Jeremy Stevens is a bad matchup for Yair Rodriguez because if you think about the way that he moves and the way that he strikes, he's very straightforward and he comes at Yair Rodriguez he also can throw in a takedown or two, right? Like, it's it's not unheard of to see a Jeremy Stevens takedown. It's probably been a while since we've seen a couple of good ones. But, like, he has them in there, right? Like, he took Cub Swanson down, like, uh, you know, all those years ago. And he did so fairly easily. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that. I also really like the fact that he uses leg kicks to start setting things up. You know, like he's, he's pretty good at striking the legs. We saw him beat Hen and Burrow that way. And when you look at Yair Rodriguez, I've always said about Yair Rodriguez, he's going to lose to guys who fight technically, mostly because he does all the flashy stuff. So unless he's going out there to knock somebody out like he did Chan Sung Jung, he's going to lose to fighters like Chan Sung Jung. And like, I think Jeremy Stevens is enough of that type of fighter, and he's got like a tough chin, that I think he doesn't get knocked out by Yair, and he probably wins a three-round decision. So I'm going to say the exact same thing I said last time, which is I believe your breakdown to be correct. However, here's my caveat. Yair is such a flashy fighter and capable of such amazing video game and surprising moves, I will say. I cannot discount some sort of 
insane tornado flying elbow off the top rope, <laughs> crash through a table, hell in a cell. He's actually a WWE fighter. I don't know. You get the point I'm trying to make. I think and I hope that the Frankie Edgar fight was a huge wake-up call for him uh, and what he needed to work on, become more of that go-forward fighter, uh, not be content to fight off his back. No one's going to come in and try to you know, let him take guard. I love the fact that he tries to use jiu-jitsu, but I'll rather see it be offensive jiu-jitsu rather than more of a defensive jiu-jitsu. I mean, even Cron Gracie this past weekend – had trouble getting Cub Swanson into his guard. It just doesn't happen in 2019. That all being said, I don't know that we've seen the complete Yair. I said this a few weeks ago. Uh, I think we'll know within the next three fights exactly what Yair is and what he's capable of. For right now, it's just an exciting fighter who maybe could pull off something crazy if given a title shot. But more or less, I don't see him as someone who's going to go on like a six-fight run as champion because he's just a little too unpredictable, a little too undisciplined, and I don't necessarily trust his fight IQ. But I'm very interested to see how he approaches Jeremy Stevens, who obviously is a very tough test in that division. All right, let's go to our third fight in three fights a dog in a parlay and it's duran win a minus 120 favorite against darren stewart the plus 105 dog duran win is an aka fighter he is one and oh in the ufc with a win over uh with a win over eric spicely excuse me i got very confused because i'm on tapology and they do the canceled bouts which I appreciate sometimes, but not when we're recording live. And I think he actually fought Bruno Silva, but that was just a canceled bout. So I apologize, everyone. He's coming off a win over Eric Spicely. Uh, he is 5-0 and as a pro. He has a win over Tom Lawler. He was on the Liddell versus Ortiz three card put on by Golden Boy MMA Promotions. Uh, Darren Stewart, he is fighting, who is in the UFC. He kind of sneaks up on you. He's been in the UFC since 2016. Entered the UFC at 7-0. and In the UFC, he's 3-4-1. and So trying to get his career on the right path, probably not looking at a future title contender. Is Duran Williams? Maybe. Or is Duran Wynn? Maybe. What do you say? I'm actually going with Darren Stewart here. And, and I think the reason was is that when you watched Wynn in his debut against Spicely, on the feet, he didn't look real hard to hit, and I think a lot of that comes from the length difference of somebody like Eric Spicely to Deron Wynn, because Wynn is so freaking short. Depending on where you're looking and what bio you're looking at, he's anywhere between 5'5 and 5'7, and even 5'7 would put him amongst the shortest in the division, and he's just going to be fighting a guy who, who boxes really well and who uses length not great, but better than most. He's going to have to work his way in to work that wrestling. And as a result, I think he's probably going to get hit. And as we've seen time and time again with Darren Stewart, it really only takes one. And it doesn't matter the round. He can finish you. So I'm going to go with Darren Wynn. I think by knockout here, which would be a fun prop to look up if you're looking for him. Because at plus 105 to win the fight, period, it'd be interesting to see what it looks like for him to get the undefeated fighter out of there. All right, let's go to our parlay. It's Tanner Boser at minus 145 and Manny Bermudez at minus 170. Play them together in a parlay. 
you get uh, plus 175. What do you like about this? So I like Bolzer against uh, Daniel Spitz uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one is he's making his debut, long-awaited debut. He's a very experienced fighter. He is much tougher than he looks because he doesn't necessarily have the most imposing figure when you look at him. And, you know, he's going to be fighting a really long guy, but he's fighting a guy in Daniel Spitz who's very tall, very long, and doesn't have a lot of knockout power. So if Bowser does start to get frustrated with that length, he's going to rush in, and I don't think Spitz is the type that can make him pay for it. So as a result, you know, it's a heavyweight fight, so you, you like the, the heavyweight who's going to land the big, heavy shots. And then you got Charles Rosa, who, who I love Charles Rosa. I love his grappling. But he's going to be fighting Manny Bermudez, who's now fighting at a much more comfortable weight for himself. And in addition to that, Rosa's coming off a two-year layoff. So for for me, you know, you got two grapplers right there in Rosa and Manny Bermudez. You lean with the younger one. You lean with the one who's moving up in weight class and is going to feel better. You lean with the one who's fought recently and hasn't taken two years off. So when you pair those two things, to, or all three of those things together, I think you got to go with Manny Bermudez on this one. And that makes it for a pretty nice payday at plus 175 if you pair those together. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the dog this week is going to be Jillian Robertson at plus 110. Uh, slight dog over Macy Barber. Yeah, I, I actually didn't find a whole lot of underdogs I liked on this card. You know, I mentioned Darren Stewart early on at plus 105 was kind of an interesting one. Uh, but I, I had a real tough time picking some. And, and Jillian Robertson is probably the one I feel the most confident in uh, because she's fighting Macy Barber. Macy Barber is a fighter who's got a lot of finishing ability. But in her last fight, she got absolutely jacked up on the feet a little bit by J.J. Aldrich early in the fight before getting a comeback win. She's taken a big step up in competition. She's going from somebody like J.J. Aldrich, who's unranked, to fighting the number 12 woman in the flyweight division. And, you know, what we've seen time and time again from Jillian Robertson is, is that she is able to take her opponents down, and she has got crazy good submission skills. So we haven't really seen a lot of Macy Barber's defensive submission skills, but I got a feeling, you know, like since they haven't been tested, they definitely haven't been tested by somebody like Jillian Robertson. I think that this is a, an easy fight for Robertson to win, and I think she's going to surprise a lot of people in Boston. Boom. That's three fights, a dog, and a parlay. Hit us up on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. You can thank us, or you can send us your hate feedback because we steered you the wrong way, but historically that has never been the case. So send us your thank yous, at TopTurtleMMA on Twitter. Gumby, why don't you wrap this show up, take us home, tell the fans what they need to know, and let's get the hell out of here. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week because they give us the platform to get in your ears. Plus, we want to thank our sponsors. Uh, a story about a fight from Rumination Films, Maroon Social. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app. And Rampage Coffee. We also want to head on over to our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA because we got all kinds of good things going on there, including trivia and giveaways. You're going to want to check that out. I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, joined as always by Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.